And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hey everybody, welcome. Good morning. It is episode 138 here, I think, something like that. Monday morning, August 26, 736 a.m. here, Eastern Standard Time in uh, beautiful, dreary Knoxville. It uh, We finally been getting some rain of late, which is great. We've had a little bit of rain each of the past three or four days, which has been kind of nice. And uh, it looks, just based on how things look outside right now, it's not coming down, but I expect that to continue, which is great. Uh, my lawn appreciates it. It saves me from having to go out and water things. So <laughs> it's all good. It's still, uh, as, uh, as a guy I used to work with who had the expression, it's still hotter than a French whore out there. That's probably not very PC, but, uh, neither was he. And, uh, <laughs> I will appropriate that from him. And then I will probably never say that again. It was, uh, I took Taz out for a walk this morning. God, it's humid. Ugh. It's not all that hot, really, but just so humid and sticky. And I get back and I'm just sweating. I'm like, the sun isn't even out yet. What is up with this? It's not like I'm walking that hard. So um, we've got a few things to go over today. I have zero things in the queue. Um, zero things, no, no messages, uh, what I mean to say by that. So uh, I'm going to, I have a few. Um, Tidbits that came in through email, through messages, etc. So uh, that uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I've got uh, something we'll dig back into the greatest hits archive for. I'm not going to be lazy and just pull the audio back and replay it, although I could. Um, but we'll have a, a discussion again about uh, alcohol um, and specifically why it's good, why it's bad when you should uh, include it and when you should not. So uh, we'll have that discussion. We have a couple of good um, questions from listeners. I want to do a little follow-up segment here to start off with on a few things, just closing the loop on a few things here. So um, the first thing was uh, some song suggestions. So this comes from Harley, um, who messaged a while back through Instagram. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. With a couple of suggestions. So I was asking about, you know, life or death, PR songs like you've got to hit it what are you putting on what are you making sure is coming into your headphones that's what I really care about so um he had a couple of suggestions here um one is a a specific remix of Red Light by uh an artist known as Nightmare I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it it's missing a couple vowels I'm so not hip I get it now this is a uh, and he acknowledges like pretty uh pretty gangster and tough song um, and I, I, I agree having listened to it. I'm like, yeah, it ain't my thing. It ain't my thing. Here's the thing. I like to sing along or at least mouth things. And if, if like the lyrics of that song, I cannot sing along to that. I, I cannot, and, nor, nor should I. Uh, and so it's like, yeah, that ain't for me. I don't uh, Personal preference. Also, I've never really been a, uh, uh, Never been much of a hip-hop guy or a rap guy, a little bit. Like, I went through a Dr. Dre phase very briefly in my early 20s, and that's about as deep as I got into that. So it, it's really just, I get it, I do. It's just not something that really resonates with me. So, um, But uh, then he also said Android Porn from Craddy, which that, I mean, I have no idea who this artist is. It's very, very electronica-type stuff, but uh, 
really, really good. Um, I was impressed with that. Um, so that that's worth checking out. Um, not the best song I've ever heard with Android in the title. That, of course, is Paranoid Android by Radiohead. Not really a great like life or death PR kind of song, though. That, that's not. It's it, that's, uh, it's filling a different role. For sure, but it, a great song nonetheless. But yeah, Android Porn, that was actually really, really good. It, typically not my thing. That is the, the genre of music that my gym likes to play more than anything else in, in their incredibly loud sound system where I've got my giant headphones that will blast my eardrums out and still I can hear their music over it. Um, it's so loud. And so that's the kind of stuff that they typically will like to play in the gym, um, except not good stuff. It's like just so unbelievably predictable and a lot of a lot of the things about this um that style of music and I, I don't know what it's called I mean it's not dubstep it, it's definitely electronica but I don't know it's it's somewhere of a blend between the two um is that when it's poorly done it is so predictable and it is so stupid and the only time it's really appropriate to play is if you're in like a club and you're just looking to bounce around and dance. And, and that that's the only time it really has any practical purpose at all, just because it is so dumb and bad and it's just completely lacking in creativity and feel. This was different, though. Like this actually was it seemed a little inspired to me. I was actually really impressed by it. So thank you, Harley, for the appreciation uh, for the uh, suggestions there. I appreciate it. So this also is, um, let's see, this comes from Tanya uh, from Instagram. We'll lift for donuts. So she had a follow up on uh, the Smith machine conversation that we had. And so I, I mentioned before that I'd reached out to equipment manufacturers about why do you angle them like that? And I uh, hadn't gotten a response. So, uh, she took a novel approach, which was to ask the Google. Very clever on you. Well played. So she she found this and screenshot it and sent it over to me. Why are Smith machines angled? <clears throat> the incline is adjusted to match the bar path when doing bench presses with a bar so that as you raise the bar, the bar travels up over your forehead. The angled machines are thus not optimal for doing squats and deadlifts. Well, first of all, I don't think anybody's going to argue that... Uh, Smith machines are good for deadlifts. Although the bar, the the travel on a deadlift is small enough that yeah, you could do it there. The problem is that most of the, most Smith machines don't go close enough to the ground. Um, so then you've got to bring a step over, but then you've got to look and see like, okay, what is the weight capacity of that step? And am I going to break it if I try and deadlift 400 pounds on a Smith machine? So it's a terrible idea in most situations to try and do that. Um, so my, my, uh, First, first of all, Tanya, thank you. I appreciate it. So, uh, I have so many issues with this. So many issues with this. Not, not, not that you you found the answer and sent it to me. I mean, that's great. I appreciate that. But the the reasoning behind why some stupid idiot equipment manufacturer would do this in the first place, and then why all of the other stupid idiot, equip, idiot equipment manufacturers would then follow suit and copy this terrible idea, because it is a terrible idea. So what you're taking is a machine that has pretty universal utilitarian applications, and you are modifying it for one exercise to the detriment of all others that you could possibly do in it. Why are you doing that? And also, 
how, how many times, you know, how often do you see somebody use a Smith machine? And then what percentage of the time is somebody dragging a bench over there and pressing in it? It does happen. I do that as well. Um, but, uh, you know, not, uh, not all that often, not all that often. Um, and I tell you what, when I do, um, I'm actually doing an incline press and that changes the, uh, the geometry of everything. So suddenly your seven and a half degree angle that you thought you were being so clever, is now even more worthless. Um, and the other issue with that is that <laughs> this is kind of the big one. When you do something like that, people, average gym goers, including me, apparently, don't know why you do that, which means that they have about a 50-50 shot of getting the bench in there the right way. Because I, I tell you what, if you take a poll of average gym goers, most of them probably can't even tell you without looking that a Smith machine is at an angle. I don't know. So they're going to drag a bench over there, and they've got a 50-50 shot of putting it in the correct way. And I tell you what, what they're going to do is they are going to – Place the bench in there so that it faces the mirror if there's one next to it. So um, then it's up to the gym owner to have the thing oriented the correct way so that when somebody puts a bench in there facing the wall or facing the mirror, that it is then appropriate to make use of this stupid modification that the equipment manufacturers have decided to implement for this machine. So for many reasons, this is a really, really terrible idea. Many reasons. And so I think we should start a campaign to uh, have this stopped. And you know, if that becomes my legacy when I die, like you know, my Wikipedia page says, Darren Starr, um, 1977 to, oh God, let's just reach for the moon here, to 2068. I'm going to plan on that. Darren was a bodybuilding coach and horrible amateur musician. His lasting mark on the world is that he led a pointless crusade to have all Smith machines made in vertical alignment as opposed to angled. If that becomes my legacy and is my uh, my epitaph and is what people remember me for, you know what? Well, it's pretty sad. I ain't going to lie. Uh, but I'll take it. I'll take it nonetheless. So maybe that's what we need to do is we need to get this to stop because it is dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. It's okay, Taz. You are not dumb. Yeah, come here. Come here, buddy. I'm going on one of my rants, and he always gets, he's so sensitive. He really is. Come here. No, you're not in trouble, buddy. His ears are down. His head's down. Oh, buddy. It's okay. It is okay. Jeez. My goodness. Didn't we just have a good walk earlier? Yeah, didn't we? Come on. Yeah, there you go. It's all good. It's all, if I had a treat right now, I would give it to you. But I'm doing a podcast. It's not like I can just pause this thing and give you a treat. Well, I could. Sorry. I owe you, Okay. I did have a cheat meal last night. Five guys, he got some fries. So he's okay. He's sitting pretty. He's actually getting a little thick around the midsection. So, yeah, it's okay. We were on a walk yesterday, actually, and uh, saw a fox in the neighborhood. Um, and it was it was actually, it walked about 15 feet in front of us crossing the street um, while he was pooping. <laughs> and so he, he looked at me like, do you see that? What, what is that? What is that? He'd never seen one before. I, I've only seen a fox a few times in my life. I didn't know what it was at first. I'm like, is that a big cat? What is that? Because it was kind of dark at the same time, but it was kind of cool. Anyway, neither here nor there. So anyway, uh, I appreciate the clarification on that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think there's a crusade that needs to start up here. So we shall see. Um, okay. So, um, uh-oh. 
Uh-oh, my wife is texting me here. Oh, she has favors for me. Okay. Lay it on me. <laughs> she she initially sent me the I have favors and then is waiting for me to respond, I think. So, lay it on me. Let me let me know what I'm in for today. Today is a slowish day, which is good. Um I have some some uh, correspondence to catch up on, etc. So, uh let's see. I want to do a little personal update, but um, let's let's save that for the end, and let's dig on on the two topics uh, that are a little bit more relevant right now. So, um, oh, you know what? She's calling me. She took that as the initiative to call. So, all right, let's, uh, let's let's put this on pause for a second. I'll be right back here. Okay, that was kind of hilarious, actually. <laughs> that was a pretty seamless edit. I should probably put a sound effect in there, signifying that I was offline for about 30 minutes. But uh, no, nothing of the sort. So, uh, yeah, I needed to measure something. So we did get a, a new washer and dryer delivered on Friday. And we had, oh, this is kind of funny. We had an incident where we always used to leave our um, laundry soap container on top of the dryer. Um which is all well and good. Well, this one it has a, this new one, the, the top of the dryer is sloped a little bit. And I didn't even think about it. And of course, you know where this is going. The old soap container was a giant glass container. So first load of laundry, we're, we're sitting in the next room and we hear this shattering. We're like, oh shit, damn. <laughs> so, and of course, it was completely brand new and totally full. So that was about a 30 minute cleanup job. Um, but there's this space now um, uh, where we, we have this little space that's, uh, I just had to measure it. It's about 11 and three quarters inches wide next to the dryer where we can fit a little like rolly cart or something in there to hold some supplies. So um, she thought she had found something, but it's a little too big for that. And then I had to fetch a file off her computer, which took some doing because it's a file she hasn't used in like four years. But she uh, is uh, starting up a theater workshop club after school once again for her students and she's using an old script that she has and didn't have it on her so anyway there you go that's you know the the life of a uh, a prep coach there you go that's what I do all day uh on a slow day anyway uh so what I wanted to do was get into a a question that came through email to start off with here and so this came from Greg via email and Greg if you're listening I suspect you are maybe not today but soon I tried to respond to you. The email address you gave to me bounced back, which is funny because I updated that form so that it makes you type in the email address twice. Um, so I don't doubt that it was correct, but something didn't like it, and it got sent back to me saying it couldn't resolve the, uh, the host or whatever. So um, <clears throat> Greg writes, and he says, quote, <clears throat> Are there any foods that you do not count when flexible dieting? Examples maybe are raw greens, Spinach, kale, broccoli, cucumber, etc. Raw mushrooms or other vegetables. How about condiments like sugar-free ketchup, soy sauce, or spray butter? Often I'll have a salad with some protein and simply spinach, tomatoes, mushrooms, and I'll top it with 10 to 15 sprays of spray butter and some sea salt. Would you count that meal in your diet plan? Obviously the protein is tracked. Uh, I've seen some online influencers say they don't count veggies, and I'm curious your thoughts. Personally, I'm not on a prep, and I do not plan on starting one. Rather, I'm just trying to maintain a healthy body weight and maybe add a little muscle. Does your answer change if I was preparing for a show? All good questions. First of all, no. My answer would not change if you're preparing for a show. What My philosophy is what's good for the goose is good for the gander or something like that. So... Um, Basically, I, I treat all of my clients uh, as though they are in prep for a show. Uh, basically, whatever your goal is, I want you to take it seriously. And, and that means that there's no level of precision that is excessive. Now, 
that that will change a little bit depending on the phase. Like if you are in a, a, a pre-contest phase or just a general cut phase, yeah, everything gets tracked. Um, and if you're in a growth phase or a maintenance phase, we can be a little bit more relaxed and trying to find the happy medium and the balance between psychotic levels of tracking and precision and going completely off the rails. You've got this huge chasm of gray area in there that's worth exploring. So just because you aren't measuring everything down to the gram doesn't mean you're binging on everything every day. And a lot of people in a very, it's a very unhealthy thing think that there are just only those two extremes and they can't explore any space in the middle. And realistically, that space in the middle is where you should spend 95% of your time. So, um, so the answer would not change. Uh, absolutely not. But the answer is a little bit more complex. And I, I will tell you this, what, what's the whole thing, you know, give a man a fish and he eats for a day, teach him to fish. He features for fish, eats for a lifetime or something like that. Uh, so anyway, my, my, uh, go to website for getting, uh, what I would consider like quality, accurate nutritional information is Calorie King. I just prefer it. Um, I think the interface is a little bit, uh, it's, it's not great, but I also find that they're kind of just no frills, nuts and bolts, and their, their information there is usually pretty accurate. So let's just run through some of the examples that Greg um, listed here. So raw greens, and I'm, I'm, you know, I know these numbers, but I'm going to pull them up here just so that, uh, uh, so that we can dig in a little bit deeper and, and have a start to develop some guidelines and some rules here. So first of all, the thought that anything should be free uh, under uh, perfect circumstances is silly because um, everything counts. If something is one or four calories, it counts. You know, th those calories, they aren't nothing. They, they add up. Um, the question becomes, okay, is the time I'm going to save and it is making this ma making like your your logs um, easier to follow and easier to track is that time saved and is that energy saved um, more significant than the minuscule calorie intake from some of these things and I would say there is a point where yes and part of that is because you know I would have a meal where it was like ground turkey veggies sugar-free ketchup, mustard, garlic powder, something else, something else, something else. And it's like, okay, so th it ended up being like a, I don't know, with, with all the protein and the carbs and everything, like a 400-calorie meal. So, you know, is my four or five calories of mustard going to make an impact? No. So what I would do is I would just log the things that have what I call significant caloric value, which doesn't mean they're high. It just means they're significant enough to be tracked. There's a threshold that I will typically um, typically establish, and I will track anything above that threshold. Um, and it's usually about like 10 calories per serving, just as a spoiler alert there. So um, I, I will track those and then not track the others just so that I can keep my logs fairly simple and not clutter them up with a whole bunch of crap that doesn't really count. Um, that's personal preference on my part. There's nothing wrong with tracking everything. I will say if you always track everything, you will always be fine. Um, but the thought of like not tracking veggies, et cetera, we're going to, let's, let's get into it here. So spinach raw. So a single leaf of raw spinach, it says is two calories. Well, let's, let's do a cup instead. So a cup of raw spinach, that's a good size handful, seven calories free. I don't care about seven calories. Seven calories are not worth tracking. <clears throat> totally worthless. Um, but now 
<clears throat> just to, to be specific here, and, and let's get to it. A cup of boiled spinach, 41 calories. Well, how does that work there? And it's still a cup of spinach. Yeah, but you're playing the volume game here. So if you take a, a cup uh, of raw spinach and boil it, you're going to come out with much less than a cup of boiled spinach. There's a significant volume reduction that happens there. And so that that handful of raw spinach that you pull out, that's seven calories, you boil it, it's still seven calories. It's probably about an eighth of a cup boiled, however. So there's a volume change that happens there. Um, so if you're measuring uh, a cup of raw, uh, a cup of boiled spinach, yeah, that ain't free. That 40 calories, that, that's significant. You got to track that, absolutely. So um, let's look at kale. Does anybody eat raw kale? I don't know. Let's look it up here. Ugh. Raw kale, one cup, 33 calories. That's significant. You got to track that. Um, so basically any cruciferous veggie needs to be tracked. Cruciferous would be broccoli, cauliflower, kale, Brussels sprouts. So kale, just because it is a leafy green, it is the outlier for a lot of leafy greens and that it is it has significant um, caloric value. It, it, it definitely does. So um, that one, that, that's got to count. Broccoli, we talked about that. Broccoli is about 40 calories per cup as well. Um, and broccoli is one that does not have significant volume change. I mean, think about this. You've got your spinach leaves. They like wilt, etc. So yeah, I mean, you you, you take a cup of that raw, you cook it down, you're going to have like, you know, something that's about the size of a walnut. You know, it's, it's not going to be much. Uh, broccoli, whether it's raw or whether it's been steamed or whatever, um, doesn't really change in volume very much. Um, it will change in mass as you impart all that fluid into it and it absorbs all the moisture. It's going to get heavier, but it doesn't matter. You know, if you're just eyeballing volume, a cup raw as a cup boiled is still about 40 calories. Um, cucumber. Let's dig in here. So let's go, um, you know, cucumber with peel, raw. Let's go, oh, a cup sliced, 16 calories. Okay, so you think of a cucumber as being just like water, et cetera. Yeah, it largely is, but it's got some carbs as well. So that's something where I'd be like, yeah, if you're doing like a half a cup, I'd call that a freebie. Um, and, you know, half a cup of cucumber to me seems like a lot. Excuse me. Whew. A cup, 16 calories. Like, eh. You're not going to break the bank on that, but you do that every day for a week. That's 100 calories for a week. It's like, okay, now it's... And the, the problem is that in and of itself, not a problem. But if you apply that threshold and then you apply that to many other items throughout the week, suddenly you could be adding several hundred calories worth of stuff throughout the week that's going untracked and is getting counted as free when it's clearly not. Um, mushrooms. So, white mushrooms, raw. First of all, anybody who eats mushrooms, I think you're a psychopath. They're disgusting. Um, okay, so a cup of mushrooms, 15 calories. Same thing as, uh, same guidelines as cucumbers there. Yeah, half a cup, you can get away with that, but still, you, it's one of those things where I, I would probably track it just to be on the safe side. Um, other vegetables, so it, it, you know, other vegetables, that's a lot of things because you can get some veggies that are very caloric. Um, you know, potatoes are technically a vegetable. <laughs> so uh, I would never want to say, don't track any vegetables because then somebody out there is going to be like, sweet, I can have all the potatoes I want. Yeah, that's not how it works. Uh, condiments like sugar-free ketchup. Great question. Sugar-free ketchup. Uh, <laughs> Red Bull and vodka made with sugar-free Red Bull. That is not what I was expecting to have come up. Show more. Yeah, okay. So, Calorie King does not have sugar-free ketchup. 
interesting. Um, based on memory, yeah, you're good there. I wouldn't worry about that. But you have to be mindful of portion size. That's one of those where you're like, oh, okay, a tablespoon is six calories or whatever. Great. And then you're like a cup later, you're like, this is still free, right? No, no. Soy sauce, um, I always consider that a freebie. Um, yeah, one teaspoon is three calories, so a tablespoon is going to be about nine, eight, it says. Uh, that's a freebie for sure. Um, spray butter, totally a freebie. Uh, I remember making fun of uh, Nicole Wilkins, uh, I still do to this day, from some social media post. I think it might have been on her Facebook page from years ago that somebody pointed me out to where she was saying, you know, that uh, the the reason behind, you know, you having trouble losing weight? Well, it's probably your over-reliance on things like this. And she shows a this spray butter. I'm like, you are, you are such an idiot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Nobody is fat from spray butter, okay? <laughs> Give me a break. Yes, that stuff really is zero calories per spray. You do enough of it, and you're going to get three, four, five calories maybe. But come on. Come on now. No, that is not something that is worth tracking. Um, so hopefully... That helps a little bit. I mean, the the idea there being, you've got to establish some kind of a threshold. Um, and, and for me, it's I would say if it's less than ten calories per serving, and you're using one serving, then that's probably fine. But then also think about how many things throughout the day you're applying that to. And if you give yourself like 10, 10 calorie freebies for per day, well, suddenly your eighteen hundred uh, calorie intake is now nineteen hundred. That is not statistically insignificant. It's not necessarily going to break the bank, and it's probably not the reason why you're not able to lose weight. But nonetheless, to say that it has no impact, I think you'd be fooling yourself. So um, hopefully that helps a little bit. Now, um, that was a great, great question, by the way, Greg. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um, now uh, we need to dig back in on this uh, conversation about alcohol. It's kind of funny and that this really seems to have, it, it's becoming more and more of an issue lately and I'm not sure why. I remember back in the good old days, <laughs> the uh, what was it the very, very late 90s, early 2000s when I was starting out. So first of all, bodybuilding was a very different thing back then. You had uh, you had men's bodybuilding, you had women's bodybuilding. Um, figure was relatively new. There was no such thing as bikini. There was no such thing as men's physique, classic physique, women's physique, none of that, none of that. So, um, it was a very different world. It was not as accessible to as many people. And really the only people that were interested in it were those who were really hardcore. So the thought of like having alcohol while on prep is something that, um, it, it never came up. It was never a question because everybody already knew the answer. And I guess in some ways, I still kind of live in that little world, that little bubble way back then, back when things were so much simpler. And that, is, that was just an assumption that was made. And so it is not something that I typically mention preemptively to people that I work with because I still just kind of make that assumption. Like, we know this, right? And it's becoming clear as we get, you know, more and more into the the modern age of bodybuilding, and this is not a knock on anybody, um, and this is not to say that people who compete today are, you know, less hardcore than people who did in in years past. It's just that there are a lot more of them now, and I think uh, the the waters get muddied a little bit, and 
uncertainty can get thrown into the mix a little bit here and there. You see other people doing something, and you're like, okay, well, maybe that is okay. Maybe I can get away with that. And then the the other thing that I think has really um, led to this as well is the advent of macronutrient-based dieting and the thoughts that anything that you can track and log is fine, which is typically the case, alcohol being a main exception for that. And if you've ever looked into the nutritional information for an alcoholic beverage, you will start to understand why. So um, first of all, if you take a typical bottle of beer or something like that and you, um, you, you look at the label, you'll, you'll find it's pretty well devoid of caloric information. There isn't a macronutrient label on it or anything like that. It doesn't tell you protein, carbs, fats, or anything like that. So um, that might be the first indication. That, hmm, well, okay, I'm just going to pull this up here and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what we get. So um, a, a typical beer is um, I'm, I'm going to go with a blue moon here because that's my favorite. That's my staple. You know, it's my, my beer of choice. Um, a bottle, 170 calories. Um, now, going by Calorie King here, they, they break it down for you pretty well. Um, 14 grams of carbs, 2 grams of protein, no fat, no fiber. Cool. So let's do the math here. 14 <clears throat> carbs, 2 protein. That's a total of 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whew, we multiply that by 4. What do we get? What is that? Sixty-four, something like that, ish. Well, this is the biggest calculator I've ever seen. Holy crap! <laughs> I should post a picture of this. Uh, Sixteen, yeah, sixty-four. So, um, okay, well, that, that's sixty-four calories, but it says it's one hundred and seventy. So, you know, do I track this as being sixty-four calories, or do I track it as one hundred and seventy? Um, and the answer is, oh, you you don't track it at all. Because you don't drink alcohol when you're on prep. <laughs> That's the answer. Um, the, and the, the missing thing here is the mysterious fourth macronutrient, which is alcohol. So if you're curious about the calculation that I just did there, 14 grams of carbs, 2 grams of protein, how did I get to 64 calories from that? Um, carbs and protein are each 4 calories per gram. Um, and fats are 9 calories per gram. So if you have something's carb, fat, and protein numbers, you can derive its caloric value from that. Um, just by taking the carbs, multiply that by four, the protein, multiply that by four, the fats, multiply that by nine, add those three numbers together. There you go. So that's your, your caloric value for whatever it is. Um, alcohol, being a fourth macronutrient, is seven calories per gram. So, um, down below in the nutrition facts under Calorie King, it says alcohol, 15 grams. So, you're getting 105 calories worth of alcohol mixed into this as well. You add that to the 64 calories from the carbs and the protein, that's how you get 170. That's where it comes from. So, the problem there is that when I provide a macro plan for somebody, I do not give them targets for protein, carbs, fats, and alcohol. I do, actually but it's with the unwritten assumption that alcohol is zero. Um, and why? So you'd be like, well, you know, it's uh, 15 grams, uh, so it's 7 calories per gram, it's 105 calories. I'll do an extra 20 minutes of cardio the next day. That'll knock that out. Okay, great. It's better than nothing. But it's not the calories that I really care about. Um, it is this simple fact. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to pause for effect, and I will say it twice because it is impossible to overstate the importance of this. And if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, if you're a client of mine who has asked this question, you have heard this statement before. Alcohol is a metabolic depressant. 
pause for dramatic effect, rewind the tape, repeat. Alcohol is a metabolic depressant. Now, when we're on prep, what are we trying to do? What are we concerned with? We're trying to shed body fat. We're trying to retain muscle. What is our tool for that? It's your metabolism. So why would you take in something that has a, a statistically significant negative impact on your metabolism? Um, and, and I would say also, I mean, there, there are studies that have shown that a single drink can have a negative impact on your metabolism for, now the study that I've uh, seen referenced mentions up to three days. I don't necessarily buy that. Uh, what I would buy is a day and a half to two days. Um, but even so, you know, prep is a game of inches. So why are you going to deliberately give up yardage here um, for for no reason other than what social pressure or I'm stressed out, so I need a drink? Find another way to cope. Don't put yourself in a situation where you have to say yes to something like this. Which let's have another conversation. That has never happened in the in the history of humanity. I don't think there's ever been a situation where somebody was forced to drink, unless you're being waterboarded with wine or something like that. It just doesn't happen. You know, it is always a choice that you get to make. And if you feel like you're being pressured into it, you're not, and you can say no. Okay. And the thought that you can't is absolutely absurd. Um, and I've had a lot of people who, you know, be like, oh, I'm in sales. You know, I've got to go take clients out to entertain them. And it's just expected that I drink. I'm like, well, change the expectation. You know, you, you're, you're taking them out. You're buying drinks for them, right? You don't have to have any yourself. Come on. Have some personal responsibility and, you know, accountability for your own actions. You know, suck it up, make the sacrifice and say no. That's all there is to it. Alcohol is never forced on anybody. And uh, th- there's this expectation because there are certain situations where it is kind of the expected norm. And you're like, oh, I don't want to be weird, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, so you're saying that like a recovering alcoholic who has abstained from alcohol can never be in a sales position? I mean, just take this to its logical extent. You know, there are people who can't drink. Um, that, and so what, what is life like for them? Yeah, I mean, you know, are are there certain things where they're like, oh, I, I no, I can't do that. I can't do that job. I can't go to that party. Or I mean, you know, maybe the best situation is I probably shouldn't go to that party, um, or I shouldn't put myself in these situations. But at the same time, we are all in control of our own actions, and you can always say no. So, yeah. So, uh, what I always tell people, my stock answer on this: if somebody is in prep and they ask the alcohol question. I will say, if you want to bring your absolute best package to the stage, alcohol is not a part of your prep, period, full stop. Now, that being said, if you don't mind making some concessions here and there and not coming in your sharpest, yeah, sure, go for it. But I don't want to hear any complaining about what happens on stage. Because if you're willing to, and my, my theory is this, if, if you're willing to surrender a little bit of ground on that, where else are you willing to surrender ground? Just stop it. Stop it. I mean, if you can't go 16 weeks without alcohol, uh, I will go ahead and say bodybuilding probably isn't for you. Um, it's, it's part of the territory. And so it should not be in the equation at all during a successful prep. Now, I have had people who have done really well on prep and have snuck in a drink here and there um, and have still managed to do really well. And you know what I say? You got away with it. 
don't assume that's going to happen and let's try and do better next time. So that being said, I don't begrudge anybody asking the question because at this point I have learned not to expect people to come into this with the, the knowledge that I have. I mean, that's why I'm being hired, right? Ostensibly because I know more. So um, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but this is one that keeps coming up a lot and it's just worth the conversation here. Let's talk very quickly about the biochemistry involved here. Now I, uh, I took three terms of physics-based chemistry um, when I was in college, uh, but I never got into organic chemistry or anything like that. So I'm not going to pretend to be an expert here, but I will tell you what I know. Uh, our bodies run on glucose. So you take in carbs and they have a very main, uh, a very streamlined and uh, direct path to be converted into glucose and used for energy. You take in proteins and fats, they have to go through a different process. It's not quite so streamlined, but still they get converted into glucose for energy. Proteins and fats do, carbs do, everything does. Um, Glucose is what our body prefers to run on as fuel, with one exception, and that exception is acetate. Well, guess what alcohol gets converted into um, once it enters your bloodstream? That is acetate. So um, you've got basically a metabolic traffic cop that's waving glucose through. There's nobody else there. It's just, yep, come on, come on, come on. Acetate, whoa, glucose, you stop. Acetate, I'm going to wave you on through. Okay, Glucose, stop. So your glucose metabolism, your, your resting metabolism, that's what we're talking about here. You know, when we say metabolism, what I'm doing is saving some syllables and just not referring to it as your glucose metabolism, but that's what it is. Um, it gets stopped while all this acetate gets processed. So, um, and, and eventually, once there's still a little bit of acetate left, your metabolic traffic cop will start waving the glucose back through, but at a slower rate. So it's not completely shut down until it's all gone, but it is shut down for a bit, and then it's it's significantly slowed for a while until all that acetate's gone. So, you know, you're basically making your metabolic highway more crowded than it has to be, and you're causing a traffic jam when you've got to get to your destination on time. So don't do that, especially if you have the ability to keep the highway clear, nice and easy. So all this, all the trickery that we do about refeeds and cheat meals designed to help boost your metabolism as well. Um, I, I will tell you, there have been times where I've gotten a little pissed when someone's asked this question, um, gotten this answer and heard all this information, um, and then goes ahead and does it anyway. And my answer, my, my response quietly, you know, I'm not one to break clients, but between you and me here on the podcast, I'm going to out myself a little bit. I get a little fucking pissed. I do. And I say, God damn it. You know, I'm trying to do all this stuff with your metabolism through refeeds and cheat meals, trying to keep it humming along. And then you're just flushing it down the toilet by drinking. It's stupid. It's just stupid. There's no need for it. So, um, my goal with this is to help educate a little bit and, and to, Oh, Taz is back over here. He's like, Dad, stop getting so pissed. Jesus. Nobody wants to hear this. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. I'm so His head's in the corner of my desk right now. He's like, oh. It's okay. It's okay. Dad's fine. Dad's fine. It's okay. You want to come up here and say hi? You want to say hi to everybody in podcast land? Here's the mic. You want to bark into it? No, he's feeling way too sheepish for that. Okay. It's all right. It's all right, buddy. We're going to get breakfast in just a little bit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what else did I have to say on that? Oh, when, when it is appropriate. So the, all of this talk is during a cut, whether it's just a, a regular cut or a pre-contest cut doesn't matter to me, but that that's when this conversation really applies during the off season or a maintenance phase. Yeah. Have it in moderation. 
I will say if you wake up someday and you're hungover, wouldn't make a habit of that. It's probably a bad idea. Um, and I understand that some people's thresholds for that are very different. I have actually never in my life woken up with a hangover. Uh, and there have been many times when I should have in, in my, in my twenties, absolutely should have, you bet. Never have, I've never had a hangover. Go figure. Um, last night, actually I had a beer. There you go. I said it. I am not anti-alcohol. Um, I will also tell you that when I did my cut last year, August to November, not a drop. I missed it. I did. Yeah, I, I, I dig some wine. I dig an occasional beer. Not much. You know, I never have more than a drink a night. Um, you know, maybe two nights a week, but still, I like it. It's something I enjoy. But uh, for those for those 16 weeks, no, not a drop. I was serious about it. And uh, that's the thing is I want you to take your goal seriously where, and, and give it and the process that you followed to achieve that goal the respect that they both deserve. So, um, okay, where are we at here? Uh, we are at the 40-minute mark. So let's wrap it up here. I wanted to go over a little... Um, personal update and I'm trying to remember what it was that I had to say. I don't think it was much. What the hell happened? What did we do this weekend, Taz? Oh, so a few things happened this weekend, actually. Um, <clears throat> what was it? Had a couple of good workouts. I hit legs on Saturday and that was great. I had chest and shoulders on uh, Sunday. Uh, yesterday, that was also great. I'm going to hit back here shortly today. Um, and yeah, I did. Uh, actually, I talked myself into pizza night on Friday, and then I did Five Guys, had a burger and fries last night as well. Here's the funny thing. Uh, I'm in this off-season phase now where I feel kind of bulletproof for right now because after both of those days, like since Friday, my weight has dropped a little bit each day going into today as well. Like I had Five Guys. I had a double bacon cheeseburger and a large fry from Five Guys, which is like, you know, six pounds of fries. Um, didn't finish the whole thing because um, I'm getting better about that whole eat till you're full and then stop kind of thing so you don't get miserable. It's kind of nice. Um, but still, I dropped three-tenths of a pound coming into this morning from yesterday. Go figure. I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Um, I'll take it. I'll take it. I feel pretty tight as well. Um, so yesterday, I have um, last year, um, quick story here, uh, I got a uh, a new keyboard last year. It's a Yamaha Mox F8, which is uh, really cool. Really enjoy it. It sounds great. Fun to play. Um, really good keyboard. I replaced a Korg Cross with that, which was okay. I had some issues. I didn't care for the sound on it all that much. Um, and then if I'm being really ridiculous, I will also say it's bright red, and I didn't really like that. Um, it was good at the time. It served its purpose. I gigged with it for a handful of years, and played out with it many times, uh, and it, it, it did did really well. Um, it's been sitting in a case um, for a, a year and a half as I decide what to do with it. I don't need to keep it for any reason, but the, just the thought of putting an ad up on Facebook Marketplace or on Craigslist and dealing with people has been completely unappealing. Well, I found a, uh, a home for it over the weekend. Uh, a friend of a friend um, who is a piano teacher had a former student who was looking for a keyboard. Um, and uh, they're kind of special needs a little bit as well, but have, has a real gift for music, and, but just doesn't have a piano in the house. And I'm like, you know what? I'm happy to donate this thing. Here you go. Because it's been sitting in, a, sitting in my basement for a year and a half. I ain't going to miss it. And I had an old amp that went with it as well. So I donated that as well. So um, I got to tell you, being able to do something like that is a really good feeling. Um, just because 
I I was not that kid. Like I grew up and I had a piano in the house. And because of that, you know, for decades since then, that has been an outlet for me. And so to be able to help give another kid something like that is such a big deal. Um, and uh, it, it was the kind of thing where they, they were looking for like an old uh, free piano, like in terrible shape or something like that, just so he could have some kind of an instrument to play for a creative outlet. And so um, to be able to do that was, it was really awesome. So I'm, I'm, that was my, my good deed for the year, but I felt great about that. Um, and what else? Taz, we're going to hit back in a little bit here. Um, uh, I think I mentioned uh, on Friday, maybe, um, or sometime recently, uh, in, a, in a recent TV update. So I did go on a little rant about absentia, which I, I stand by that. I did get some some feedback. Uh, Angela Hayes on Instagram, she, she commented to me. She's like, I agree, it is terrible. I'm like, thank you, thank you. It's good that I'm not the only one. So um, it, it sucks. It sucks ass. It's terrible. Uh, and, uh, so I did start Peaky Blinders. Um, I think I mentioned that before. This was, it was actually, I, I guess it was a joint venture between Netflix and BBC. Maybe I think there's four seasons available right now. There's only six episodes in each one. So it goes pretty quickly. We're only about three episodes in, but with each episode, I'm getting sucked in a little bit more and more. It is really good. It is really well done. It looks so spectacular. Um, just like the art direction on it is absolutely incredible. Um, the performances are great. Uh, I, I am, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. And the, cause it's a period piece set like post world war one in Birmingham, England. And, uh, the music is all modern. Um, like there, there've been a couple of Jack White songs that I've heard in there. I mean, it's, like, it's a really cool juxtaposition, but stylistically it goes really well. I have read some complaints, uh, about, the accents being terrible. Um, they sound good to me, but you know, I'm not one of those guys that can, uh, uh, distinguish between different dialects in the UK. So apparently this, uh, this Birmingham accent is, is very specific and has some, some characteristics to it. And a lot of people who I think are natives of the area are just ragging on this show for not having proper dialect. And all I can say is, uh, sounds fine to me. I am certainly not a dialect expert by any means, but I'm okay. You know, I, I can I can spot a bad accent when I hear one. This all sounds perfectly authentic to me, but then again, I, I don't know the area that well, so it is not something where it takes me it, it takes me out of the period or anything like that, or or it, it suspends disbelief or anything like that. So, uh, no, it's good. It's it's a it's a it's a good watch, and I, I highly recommend it. So, um. What else? Oh, I did see, uh, I watched First Man, um, which was the movie about um, Neil Armstrong and the Apollo 11 mission, Neil Armstrong being played by Ryan Gosling in this movie. Um, and uh, I started watching that with the wife, and she checked out about 15 minutes into it. She was just not interested, and actually she was, we watched it over two nights. She was gone the second night, um, so I finished it by myself. Um very interesting. I have a hard time recommending it, but it was uh, it was very watchable, and it had some very good moments in it. Um, am I happy I watched it? Yeah, I guess. I don't know what I was expecting necessarily, but uh, I don't know. I'm left with a very a very minimal reaction to it. I guess it it seemed very well done. 
all the performances seemed very muted, but what it really drove home was the the stakes of the Apollo missions and the risk and the loss that was incurred because so many of us, I mean, you know, that was 1969. That was eight years before I was born. So unless you're 50, um, well, and realistically, probably more like 56 or 57, you probably have no firsthand memory of that. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's important to watch because it's a good, um, and as far as I could tell, a fairly accurate portrayal of a very important time in history. Um, and it, it really kind of transports you back into uh, the, the urgency of the missions and exactly what the stakes were. How many people died um, on the on the uh, missions leading up to Apollo Eleven and all the testing that was done, um, the cost, the expense, the controversy, the opposition, the protests—all those things are touched on, even if just briefly. But it, it's definitely worth it. Um, I, I found it very worthwhile in that regard. Uh, it just kind of left me with like a, huh, okay, well that happened. <laughs> but uh, uh, I was all already familiar with most of the story as well. So it wasn't, it, it, I wanted to kind of see it come to life on the screen. Um, but if you're less familiar with the story, I think it's a really, really good thing to watch as a piece of historical art. Um, I, I think it could be useful for that. And some of the effect sequences in it are, really are pretty spectacular as well. Very understated, you know, very realistic, not over the top at all. Um, not Hollywood, um, but very much trying to portray like what this would actually be like. Uh, so I thought it was very cool for that. So anyway, I'm rambling. I'm going to shut up. I got some breakfast to go eat and a back session to go hit. So I will leave you to it. I'll be back here on Friday. Once again, phone lines are always open. 865-518-2974. Uh, Ashley, specifically, I'm talking to you. I know I emailed, we emailed back and forth this morning. I expect a question. I do, I do, so make it happen. Anyway, hope everybody has a great week, and I'll check in with you on Friday.